The first more silent day of Pacers free agency. Let's take more stock of the team and where it's at. What could Bruce Brown and Obi Toppin's roles be? What could the Pacers still do? Where's their roster at now? Derek Schultz will join us to talk about it all today on the Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today, talking more free agency, more Pacers, new guys, where their roster's at now, what's next, all sorts of the good stuff. Will Bruce Brown and Obi Toppin start? Does that make sense? What their roles could be? A little more about their background, how they fit with the team, and taking stock of what the Pacers have done this summer. And who better to do that with than Derek Schultz? So you've heard his voice everywhere before if you're an indie local, but currently doing the Query and Schultz show with uh, ISC Network, as well as writing for both the IBJ and Indie Monthly. Uh, Great conversation about all those things, Tyrese Halburn's extension, and of course, what the Pacers could still do or what they need to consider if they're going to make any other moves in the free agency period. Wide-ranging and fun conversation. Let's just hop right into it. You know him well if you're local. If you're not, he's been on this show many times. It's Derek Schultz with the Query and Schultz so on the ISC Network right now and writing for the IBJ and Indie Monthly, and it's time to talk more about Pacers free agency. They didn't do anything on Sunday, but kind of in a league holding pattern a little bit. This guy named Damian Lillard requested a trade if nobody's been paying attention for a day. James Harden's still out there. Teams are figuring out some stuff. There'll be a little more movement as the days progress. But this is a good time to take stock of what the Pacers have truly done. Zoom out a little bit. Look at their landscape. Look ahead at what they can still do. All sorts of things. So very big picture, Derek. Obi Toppin's in, Bruce Brown is in, Chris Duarte's out. What have you thought of what the Pacers have done so far? Well, big picture, they got better, right? Uh, and, they, and they got two guys who not only fit, but I think their role pretty much immediately is, is pretty clear what they can bring to the table. Even somebody like, let, let's start, I guess, with, with Obi, um, who you gave up two twos for, which who cares? You basically just got two twos for free. A couple of weeks ago, right with that that swap that swap with Washington. I don't know if it's those picks. Have they said which picks those Not twos yet. are? Okay, no. you know whatever they end up being, who cares? It's two twos. I think that's a, a price worth paying. Um, and he's a guy that fits in up tempo style. He was always square peg round hole with the Knicks, and particularly with with Thibodeau. Like I, I never really understood. I, I think that was a case maybe of where drafting best player available sometimes goes wrong, um, where they just felt like, hey, like. Here's here's Obi, great. Like he fell to us, let's take him. And it's it, there, there was never really a defined role for him. I felt like in New York, um, whereas here, I, I think he can have one um, either as as somebody that's going to find minutes, uh, certainly more than 15 minutes a game, probably um, at the four, and and just fill out that depth chart a little bit more. So I, I like that. I, I like him as a depth piece. I, I don't think much of him as far as his ceiling is concerned. I think he is, you know, essentially a catch and dunk guy. Um, you know, he can dunk, he can run. He, he's a a barely average defender. <laughs> his shot is is I okay. like his game, and also that yeah. yeah, I mean, like you know, he he maybe you don't leave him completely by himself, wide open. Like he he's he's all right. Maybe he's improving a little bit there, but I 
I think that at the end of the day, two twos for a depth piece at a position where you need bodies um, and, and to give him an extended look and just see, hey, maybe, maybe there is something there that the Knicks weren't able to untap because he just didn't get much of a run in New York. And then with 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 Bruce, it just feels like he is the perfect winning player fit that every NBA team would want somebody like that. Um, I love guys that are little and not afraid to mix it up. And he's kind of like that type, right? He's undersized, but he can guard multiple positions and he can guard bigger players because he's just a bulldog of a dude. Um, This is a bad comparison because he is like 10 times the player that this player was. But I'm just going to pull at your heartstrings here, Tony, and for people in the audience that happen to be IU fans. Like the reason that I loved AJ Moye so much was because he was like 6'3 with shoes on, right? But he would just go after you. He'd get right up in you. And, And I feel like Ron can do that too. Um, I loved watching him and, and getting to know his game a little bit better with Denver uh, during this playoff run and seeing how critical he was to their success. And it's just a, a move that makes a lot of sense for me. I love the fact, too, that not that you necessarily need to do this with him. I think you know who he is. But to have the team option for the second year, you know, for the people that are panicking about, you know, oh, the money, you know, whatever. Um, the team option for the second year, I think alleviates if this is a complete disaster, which it won't be, but just in case, I I think that alleviates some of that. So I I really like bringing not only a player that fits and can provide some more defense on the wing, but also somebody that can bring that. I I know it's a buzzword and it's a little bit cliche, but that mentality that the Pacers win been there, done that, right? He he knows kind of what that's all about. Um, So I, I love really, both of the moves. I, I think more of Brown than Toppin as a player, but just for what they paid for both of them, even with the quote unquote overpay, which I think we need to kind of recalibrate what is and what isn't an overpay. Yeah. Um, I really like what they've done. The way you just said, Oh, the money. Can I hire you to be a voice actor to make, like make fun of dumb things? <laughs> I'll have Derek Schultz read tweets that I think are stupid in that voice and just play them back on the show. Um, okay. I'll start with Bruce Brown. I agree a million percent with most of the things you just said, and like to me, it's that the fit of the style fit makes mm-hmm. him worth the money too. Because not only does he address a lot of the stuff that they don't have in terms of that point of attack defense, right? They've needed that so badly. He can do it at several positions. And the fact that he can cover the guy who Halliburton maybe would normally guard, I think, makes them a great fit together. And the defensive end, uh, he can shoot a little bit now. Uh, he can do that little guard guard screen stuff that the Pacers do at the beginning of like 90% of their possessions. He's great in transition. We just saw him be closing games in the finals. Like I, I think that alone could be his resume. It's hard to overpay that player. And I floated this to you before the show and I was kind of workshopping this today. Fred Van Vliet, obviously the best player who switched teams this summer. No doubt. I think Bruce Brown might be the second best free agent who actually changed teams like you got a lot of guys resigned with their old team because that's how bird rights work and that's fine that's how free agency goes a lot but of the guys who actually switched teams van vliet maybe if you love dylan brooks or divincenzo or something like that but it's like bruce brown's probably the second best guy who switched teams like he probably he's gonna start like it's hard to overpay for a solid starter who switched teams in the market getting guys in free agency is hard that means another team lost a good player right like it's just hard to do that so even beyond a lot of other things about the money, like I think he's a good fit. I think he's a good player. They got the team option. That's a great signing to me. The Obi things, first of all, something you said, I think when a team trades two seconds for a player, you said two twos. I'm going to call it a ballerina trade from now on. Um, <laughs> Obi is also a good fit. And I think that's something they've prioritized that's interesting to me that, you know, I just 
and I think a lot of people thought this way, like everybody just said, yeah, they need forwards. They need threes and fours. It doesn't matter who they are, but it turns out the two that they've actually gotten fit really well. Like a run and dunk guy with Tyrese. I love that he likened it to uh, Mahomes and Tyree Kill. Just like, oh, there's Ovi. I'll just throw the ball up in the air. And like, yeah. that's been the Isaiah Jackson offense sometimes and it works. That fit's going to be good. And you can explore his game. And, and I'll give Tom Lewis credit here. Andy Cornrose, for those of you who know him, we were talking today at before summer league practice. And I, I feel bad taking his thought a little bit. But like, Obi had 15 minutes a game. That's what the number says on paper. But that was a lot of like five minutes of garbage time followed by 30 minutes because Randall's out, followed by five minutes of garbage time, followed by, you know, it wasn't ever like a consistent role of that amount of minutes every single night. Like, even if he isn't more than a 16, 17, 18 minute a game guy, like he's a backup to Jarris or whatever his role is. If it's a consistent role, you're still getting potentially more out of him and exploring his game in a way that hasn't happened in the Tibbs era. And of course, Randall grew and all this stuff happened. And, you know, everybody understands why the Knicks traded him, but there's just a lot of good reasons to like what they've done as good fitting players, good flyers, stuff at important positions. Nothing that is, Dehabilitating to your long-term future from a salary perspective or a team building perspective, there's a chance that neither of these guys are resigned next year. I would consider that unlikely, but it's possible, right? Like in general, they plugged holes with good fitting players at important positions at good prices. It's what you want, and they got better. Like it's, it, we haven't even gotten to the biggest thing they did yet. Like it just seems like from an adding talent perspective, they've done a really good job, even if it isn't the splashy names that were talked about a lot this summer. Yeah, the pair, the Pacers have been a nice. Flyers slash throw-in team, right? Neesmith, Jalen Smith, you know, guys like that who teams have, have given up on and the Pacers have, have brought them in and been like, here, here's a more clearly defined role for you. And they've, they've gotten production from those guys. So I, I'm always down for taking a flyer. Um, what What's tough for me, Tony, is that whenever these trades happen, people just start to think of their pie-in-the-sky expectations for what this person <laughs> can be. Well, yeah. he was the eighth pick in the draft. Who cares? Who cares what he was three years ago? Like, when does know, that end? When does your pick no longer become a part yeah, of Yeah, exactly. Or, or who you were in college, right? right so, right. well, he did this at Dayton. Okay, okay, great. Um, you know, I, I'm more interested in what he's going to become. But I, I think Tom Tom brings up a lot of good points. But I, I think that actually is a great point. Um, it's also the reason why you can't just, like, use his numbers per 36 because a lot of that stuff was in garbage time, like you right. mentioned. So, you know, some of those outputs and things like that were – when the game was already kind of decided for him. But I, I, I am excited to see him and Tyrese. I, I, I like that fit there. And um, I don't even think you need to make a fit necessarily for Bruce Brown. I think he fits on just about any team with what he brings to the table. Hey guys, short little break here so I can talk to you about prize picks. It's daily fantasy made easy. So Mike Trout can have more or less than one hit tonight for the Angels. That's the whole gist. You pick two to six players. Will they go over or under their prize picks projection? You can up to 25 times your money on any entry. Their format's really simple, and I love that it's just me versus their projections, not me versus other people who can out-research me. It's just me versus their projections, and you can do any sports, NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, whatever you like. Price picks offers projections. You can make your picks in a minute or less. It's safe. There's fast withdrawals, and it's operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the Price Picks app or... Go to pricepicks.com. Sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Pricepicks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Pricepicks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter that promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100 at Prize Picks Daily Fantasy Made Easy. 
Okay, uh, big picture. Look, Bruce Brown's the highest paid player on the team. Do you think both of these guys start? Do you think just Bruce Brown starts? How do you think this shakes out? Because Jarris is also a four. I don't know how you feel about who should start between those two. Matherin did not start in the Carlisle era, but Duarte did start in the Carlisle era. So it's kind of hard to just use evidence in the past of that. I probably would start Jarris myself. Uh, of the two new guys, and like Buddy Hield still on the team, Matherin still on the team, Nembard still on the team. Like, there's a lot of names in this mix. Do you feel like both of them should start? Neither. How would you kind of progress with that? As of right now, obviously the team could still change. Yeah, I think Brown should start. Um, I, I would hope that Jarris Walker's at the point where they feel comfortable him starting day one. Um, lot to ask for for any kind of Agreed. rookie player, but I I would like that. Um, I I don't think I don't view. Obi Toppin as a starting caliber player that that might happen somewhere down the line, but um, certainly not right away as, as kind of a bit player in his first three years. Uh, so um, I think Brown should, uh, you should find a role for him, but yeah, it's kind of the million dollar question. Like, okay. And, and if we're going to do the traditional roles, like two, three, and four, like how do you put everything like that? Because you, you, you kind of know one in five, right. Um, but the rest of it, you can kind of, mix and match and see who who sort of goes where. Yeah, I still have trouble putting everybody right in the perfect seat. Like, it's still... Yeah. If, if Ben Shepard doesn't play, that's fine. He's the 26th pick. Like, usually the 26th pick doesn't play a lot right away. But even in this 2-3 mix, you know, it's, it's too early to be worried about the rotation, to be totally clear. But Matherin, Brown, Heald, Nemhard, Neesmith, that's already a lot of guys. And if Nemhard, you want to move to the backup one, then what's McConnell doing? And you still have three guys in the mix. And that like who's starting at the three who's starting it doesn't matter traditionally obviously with positions but also like George war exists like is he just done playing yeah. too it's like there's a lot of names that have to be sorted out positionally i agree with you that i don't think ob would start over jaris walker to me i guess i would understand it if they did it but i don't think that's what i would personally do and he's more four or five but you can't play him at the five either because they have a lot of other young guys that back up five too so I don't know that they're done or not. The, and, the, and the more important question is who's closing. Bruce Brown's definitely closing games for them. Yeah. Like, no doubt about that. Jarris's defense will probably help him get on the floor in some defensive moments because for everything Obi Toppin is, def defender is not. How much Knicks have you watched? You, you're a Knicks fan. How much Knicks have you watched uh, since they drafted him? I, I'm pretty much a retired Knicks fan. But what <laughs> I do get is I have text threads with high school friends and we I am I'm, I'm an active follower of the Yankees so I still follow the Yankees so I I don't have the heart to tell some of my high school friends like guys like I'm not watching every night because they're you know they're <laughs> texting me in all caps like curse words and things like that I'm like guys I'm, I'm not watching right now I don't I have no idea what you're talking about um I have one buddy who thinks and I actually tweeted this last night He's always been an OB guy, and he thinks he's gonna like basically become prime Blake Griffin in LA, like with with Tyrese and with. He he still thinks that there's this like ridiculous potential for him to unlock in Indiana, which um, I, I think the rest of us not so much. But yeah, I, I I would say my Nick fandom barely registers anymore. Um, I did watch the entire series with the Cavs, and I watched the Heat series because you know. It, Nick's heat was kind of a throwback to when that I was, was awesome. in high school. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it was fun. It's fun to see them be relevant. Look, I, I want to see them do well, but I can't, like somebody asked me yesterday, he's like, what was the deal with Toppin and, and the Knicks? I was like, I, I, honestly, man, I don't know if there is an explanation for why. It just didn't seem, you know, Randall takes up a lot of minutes and um, they just never really seemed to be committed to find a role for him. 
Yeah, Randall should play a lot. I get that. And Tibbs plays the guys a ton of minutes. But like, it's like when he's a rookie, and it's like Taj Gibson is the four. And you're like, oh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> stuff, stuff like that. Yeah, I don't um, We don't need to talk too much about the Knicks, but I, you, know, <laughs> you do have more chatter about that in your ear than I'm sure most locally do with the, mm. the OB top in front. So I'll be curious just rotationally how all this stuff shakes out. That is my segue into here's the, the, for the problem with my following question is they have 15 guys. Like they don't have room on their team at the moment, but is there anything you feel like they still need? And with Duarte out the door, I could go first and say, I still feel like wing depth would be nice. Um, you know, maybe Matherin starts at the three, like he kind of alluded to before, and Neesmith's your backup, and you're fine with that, but maybe you want something else in that spot, and if it's just those two guys, you're one injury away from a guard playing up a position again, or a four playing down, but at the same time, like, it's hard to sign a useful wing who might not play at all, and also you have to get rid of someone, and it's hard to just trade someone away just to trade someone away. Like, there's a lot of Stuff that you could say about them adding a wing instead of a guard, but or a bit even a backup big. They have five backup bigs, and that could even be another answer to this question. They don't need any specific thing. They just need to get rid of one of their backup bigs. I, I'm mm-hmm. receptive to that, but you know, do you feel like they need to do anything else because they do, as it stands, have a full team? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess if they just rolled with this and this was the 23-24 roster, I, I think I'd be okay with it. Their roster makes a lot more sense right now than it did seven days ago. Correct. Um, yes. You know, I'll say that, but I still feel like Tony, and I'm not basing this on anything that anybody told me. Uh, I'm just kind of going off some of the actions that they've had this year. And the problem is, is that as we learned on draft night, you can't conjure up trades out of thin air. You know, a team can be really motivated to make a move, but they, you know, it takes two or it takes three to kind of tango there. And I think Kevin Pritchard kind of alluded to that. I still think that there's another move coming at some point. Um, I don't know what that is. Um you know, I would guess that one of three of Yield, McConnell, Tice would probably go. And, and obviously the third on that list is far less of a player than, than the other two. But um, I, I still think something is is maybe happening here. I, I, I've been feeling more like maybe it's Buddy um, lately, just with, I don't know, drafting Shepard and, um, you know, some of the other moves that they've made. I'm I'm not sure. Um, I've been convinced this this entire offseason that a big splash was coming and a big splash hasn't really come. So uh, maybe it's just me kind of talking myself into that. But um, wouldn't surprise me at all if there was still some sort of a trade that was that was looming here. So <clears throat> I agree that I think something else will happen. And my reasoning for that is way less interesting than yours. My reasoning for that is they still have seven and a half million in space. And yeah. you can use that anytime. They could hold it till the next next year's draft if they wanted to, right? They've reached the floor, no problem. But usually using your space is good. You can use it to get assets at any time. And so if you're a team kind of in flux, it's just like like they could trade Tice away and take in a player who makes $16.5 million. And that helps the other team quite a bit. And in the new cap environment, that's kind of helpful, right? They could do that in a number of clever little ways here and there, whether that's Isaiah Jackson for a $10 million player. Like there's a lot of stupid ways you can conjure this up, but it just feels like to me because they have these jams at two positions and they have space to like make a lopsided trade to help some of these other financially motivated trading teams. They already maybe got Obi Toppin because the Knicks were like, crap, (laughs) we want to use our full MLE, but we can't, Um, you know, it seems like that would be why to me, like you want to use all your space. That's smart use of assets and money is an asset. So 
that's my small reason. And my bigger reason is, and, and of the players you said, <clears throat> I don't know that it'd be a veteran or a young guy necessarily, but I just feel like, especially like this is dumb. It's a two way player, but Sh- Oscar Sheepway, like they have five guys who you'd say are fives exclusively. Yeah. Like you don't need that many. And I, uh, it's not a genius thing to say that. I think everybody knows that. I think they would probably even say that. But it's hard to figure out, like, which one of them do you move? You don't just want to make a move to make a move. So maybe that's why it's salary motivated. But I just feel like between Smith, Jackson, and Tice, you might want to look. That I think they, of course, would explore anything. But, you know, looking into what you could do with any of that stuff, even if it's just a salary move, would be smart. And the, the argument for the three guys you said, McConnell, He's fully guaranteed this year and then ha- basically ha- a little over half guaranteed next year. Buddy Hill has no contract next year and Ties has a team option next year. Like in a way you could say they're all expiring contracts. Like th- th- you almost have to explore trades for your expiring contract veterans. It's just how asset management works in the NBA. And if they view those guys as critical players to their team, then maybe they wouldn't. But just there's a lot of stuff between the backup five spot, the number of kind of twos they still have, these vets with the expirings that just are in flux enough for me to think that maybe something would happen, even though a lot of their moves do kind of hint at them kind of having or attempting to have another big summer next year because Obi's expiring and Bruce Brown's expiring. They have a lot of team options, but I still feel like something is coming to lead to maybe more. We'll see. And it's cool. I mean, like you said, they could wait. They could. Yeah. Um, that That's a d- defensible decision. Um, Fans don't like waiting. Though. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think they're going to do that, but it, it would be a, a defensible decision. But um, I, I agree. Just... They, they freed up some of the log jams, but there's still some log jamminess um, to the roster just in general. And this is kind of what, what, what Kevin Pritchard has done in the past. We've seen it kind of line up his core, right? And as good as Buddy has been for the Pacers, um, he does not align with the core of the team as, as it comes to ages and, and things like that. So that's why I, I – Put him there as Ken. I, I think the world of Buddy Hill. I, I think he's been had a really underrated impact just as a teammate, um, and and kind of aligning the locker room together. But um, you know, he's thirty years old, so um, it's tough. It is, and yeah, I get like every time I would do any radio, anything that question would come up a lot. Like, who do you think would be the guys that would move? And it always felt like it circled around Duarte Healed, right? And for yeah. a lot of reasons, one of them would not play, and one's the vet who has value and is on an expiring contract. So. There's still merit to it. I think with Heald, I wouldn't be like calling other teams and being like, hey, what would you give us for Buddy Heald? I think I would prefer the inverse as the Pacers. But I would get it if they decided to do so because he's in an interesting hinge spot. Like, again, of these names, maybe the answer is Aaron Neesmith. I've asked some people what they think about this. Right, Halbert and Stern at the one. So Matherin, Brown, Heald, Nemhard, Neesmith. Can you play all five of those guys? And if you do... That means Nemhart's probably the backup one, and that means McConnell's not playing. So, like, someone who should be playing or they've invested in clearly and very recently invested in, by the way, is not playing. And so that just makes me think that a move could be coming to either just something that makes more sense or just getting more assets, even if the thing makes less sense. So th- that's just kind of guessing. right? I have I have no reason to think that they'll just trade somebody to trade somebody. I just feel like from an asset management perspective – if they can make moves with their log jams to improve their team, they will, That as they've done forever. And like you said, you know, we saw this with the Brogdon extension, right? That had Sabonis and Brogdon and Carlisle all in the same timeline, right? A lot of years left on their deal. And really early in the Victor Oladipo era, they tried to line all that up with Warren and Depot and Lamb and Sabonis and Turner, all those guys. 
had three or four years left on their deal at the same time. Like that's good. That is not perfectly matched up right now. And some of that's just rookie scale deals. Some of that's guys they've traded for. That they didn't sign themselves, but that is something Kevin Pritchard liked. And we'll see if they can kind of make that happen again. Yeah. And I, I would love to, um, I'd love to be on a fly on the wall in some of those discussions because it, it would be, it, it's difficult with, you know, somebody like TJ McConnell, TJ McConnell wants to play. He's want to sit. He wants right. to have a role. Um, He's good. <laughs> yeah, and, and Kevin Pritchard wants him to have a role. So, you know, we right. see teams sometimes facilitate deals for guys when they know that they, they want him. You know, I, I think even in a way the Knicks might have just done that with, with Obi, where, you know, that clearly there wasn't a fit for them there, wasn't a role for them there. Okay, where, where can we put this guy that would be a fit and, and all of that? And um, and they went out and, and they did it. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Pacers made some kind of a move. Like, I'm, I'm not talking like – you know, some big, huge splash thing, um, even though, you know, I would love to see something like that. It'll give us a lot to talk about. Um, but just to, they've, they've done a good job, again, kind of clearing up a little bit of the log jam, but the water's still just kind of trickling through at some of those spots, I feel like. Yeah, I agree. And I think the last storyline I'd like to see, just kind of how they manage with that move they would make is, like I just mentioned it, but just to have it fully spoken out. Bruce Brown, team option next year. Buddy Heald, free agent. Daniel Tice, team option. TJ McConnell, non-guaranteed. Matherin, probably on the team, but just for clarity. Team option. Obi Toppin, free agent. Aaron Neesmith, free agent. Jalen Smith, player option. Jordan War, free agent. Isaiah Jackson, likely picked up, but still team option. Like, that's a lot of flux, right? Like, just a little bit of ironing out could be valuable for this team. And Jackson, Matherin, likely picked up team options, but still some intriguingness of that. A quick note is that I wouldn't be surprised if there was like a two or three day delay on anything the Pacers did just because of Damon Harden. Uh, I feel like those like mm -hmm. teams that could be interested in financially motivated moves, like uh, maybe the Miami Heat and the Philadelphia 76ers uh, or the Los Angeles Clippers might be in a little bit of a holding pattern and that could hold up some of the other talents around the league. And like there's a few good free agents left, but most of the good guys out there are on a team. So we'll be surprised if stuff's a little slower. If you remember last year, when Kevin Durant demanded a trade like six hours before free agency and just nothing happened for the first day because <laughs> yeah. everybody was waiting. Um, so that would be just – maybe maybe the Pacers, they've done this before with like all the depot and stuff and can just dive in and scoop some assets up in a trade. But I think we might see a little bit of a slow buildup to this, and we'll see how that goes. The last thing, Derek, we haven't even talked about the best move they made in free agency and we're <laughs> this far in. Tyrese Halliburton's on the Pacers for six more years. I mean, that's just – I mean, I, I hate to do the, the bad journalism question, but just talk about that. I mean, that's like yeah, – right? that is kind of the thing. Like, I, I said yeah. this when I was previewing his extension to me. Like, if they got this done, even if they did terrible for every other move of the summer, they get like a B at worst because they have a franchise player for six years in a market like this that's so hard to do. And the other – if you're like one of the other Locked On fans from one of the 29 other teams, you're probably <laughs> like, why are these guys making such a big deal about this? Like, isn't this commonplace? Not in Indiana. No. It's not. <laughs> you have the franchise player locked up for that long. 2029. I mean, it's just, it's crazy yeah. to think. And, and Tony, you get him for all of his best years, right? You've got him locked up. Right. Through, uh, you're, you know, you're not worried about him like falling off a cliff at 27 years old because that, that's very unlikely to happen. Um, he is, 
he's everything that he was advertised of being. I mean, I, you know, Sacramento to me is always kind of this team that's like out there and they exist now this year, maybe is a, an exception because you made time to watch Sacramento this year. But for the most part in their history, they've always been kind of out there and they exist and like you don't really pay much attention to them. But you'd hear some things about, hey, like they've got this Halliburton guy's pretty good. And then obviously when the trade happened um, and you were talking yourself into it, you started to read more about him. And at least I did learn more about him. And um, he's a great personality. He's perfect for this market. He plays with the chip, which people in Indiana love. He is the, you know, I'll, I'll borrow another cliche. You, you're going to say talk about. He's the straw that serves the drink, right? Everything that they do offensively just kind of goes through him. And he's he's a little bit of a, a unicorn player just with what he brings to the table as a passer, as a shooter, um, as a leader. Uh, I, I'm super excited that, uh, A, they got it done, and, and B, that he wants to be here, you know? Um he seems psyched about it specifically. Yeah, and, and that's important to the fan base here. Um, you know, I'm not from here. So when I first moved to when I first came to Indiana 20-something years ago, but when I came to Indianapolis specifically about 15 years ago, what I learned was it's really important for people in Indianapolis, for people that aren't from here to really love Indianapolis. And it feels like he loves the city and he loves the fan base. Now, you would have said that at the peak of the Oladipo era which was very short right where well he's never gonna go anywhere iu right and of course that that ended up happening the way that it was paul george was always kind of a uh kept a distance i felt like he said the right things but he never really kind of fully embraced that and i think you could tell especially in hindsight um but it, it really isn't about knocking those guys those guys can do whatever they want paul paul wanted to get back west fine that's that's fine oladipo i think was listening to the wrong people um, we can do a whole podcast on that, but I'm, we're not going to. Um, this looks like a case where everybody's on the same page. The Pacers, Halliburton, um, they've made him a partner, as they've said, right, in this whole thing. Um, it's it's what the new age NBA is. Uh, guys want to have a say. They want to feel like they're heard. Um, they want the respect that, that they kind of give to the team to come back. And I, I think Kevin Pritchard and the Pacers have just really handled this really, really well ever since they acquired him 18 months ago. Pritchard's talked a lot about like leaning into the new era of player, right? And how they're different from the players yeah. when he played, obviously. Uh, and I think <clears throat> this partnership thing shows that, right? They get it. They, mm -hmm. The player likes to be more involved and wants to play with this you know, his guys like the Aiton recruitment was reported last year for Tyrese. Like clearly he's a good part of that. They like his recruitment stuff. Like that's part of it. And I think they're doing a good job adjusting to that and him being a part of that. And he's the perfect guy for it with his personality. And like another, also I got a text. I got fined by the journalism coalition for telling you to talk about it, but I'll keep going with the cliches. <laughs> um, like I say this to a lot of people, like I've been in a lot of non, basketball game situations where Tyrese Halburn's also been there, just like interactions with other people or just like seeing him in random places. Like he just gets it. No matter where he is, he understands like how he's supposed to act and what he's supposed to do and like what the vibe of the scenario is. And that's not something that everybody has. And I think that like his emotional intelligence is very high and that bodes well for just how he would fit in with a franchise. And I want to poke back at something I've seen from fans who say this, you know, he signs this massive extension and people are like, yeah, well, Paul George did that too. And we saw how that went. That went awesome. They made the conference yeah. finals twice. <laughs> Those were yeah. some of the best seasons they've had since Reggie Miller left. Like that, even if, yeah, obviously the way he soured and went out, fans are going to hate that. And I'm not going to argue with that at all. But it's like those seasons were great. Isn't that what every fan wants? Is there it's that exact the selective memory repression of the 2012 14 <laughs> yeah. run? Yeah. 
it drives me. I'm like, guys, w- was I not in a packed field house with people foaming <laughs> at the mouth for these those Miami games? Like those atmospheres in those games were awesome. Yeah. That was I, the, the run when, when they beat the Knicks in the in the semifinals and, and that game where Roy Hibbert had the block and then he went into the press conference afterwards with the whole team. And I was like, oh my God, like this is happening. Like they're really going to be like build a championship core here. Um, and then people immediately kind of bucked against that. But you're right. Uh, Team USA also played a little bit of a role. Well, yeah. Uh, him snapping his <laughs> leg out. Um, I, I just think that, you know, it's just kind of one of those things. Any Anytime a relationship ends poorly, then you, you act like you didn't love the girl as much as you did. Um, I, I think it's just a way of coping. Um, so Pacers fans kind of do that, but you're right. The, the Paul George years were great. You know, 17, 18 with Victor Oladipo. That was a, that was one of my five most fun seasons in Indianapolis sports period. That includes the Colts or IU or anything that Purdue did. I mean, that 17, 18 season was fun. Um, the only thing not fun about that was that it's one of the few times that I've been convinced in a seven game series that the better team lost. Uh, Cause I really, I just thought Didn't LeBron scored about like 40 points in the end or something. Ridiculous. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was LeBron basically putting his team on the, on his back. Right. But um, that was a series that I thought that they should have won, but yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to get like too off the, the side trail here, but no, I wanted yeah. to because I, I don't get the reaction of the Paul George part of it. I'm like, isn't that exactly no. what the Patriots would hope? Like yeah, I, <laughs> even at the worst case scenario, it's like, all right, conference finals. Sweet. Um, yeah. And the, now we're not talking about free agency at all, but. <laughs> 1718 from a sports perspective taught me a lot about the value of expectations or the lack of value of expectations. Like mm-hmm. if you're a team that's not expected to do anything and then you're awesome, that is every fan's favorite oh, yeah. team. Like every player is awesome to them. They love all these little dudes who are doing these scrappy roles. Like people loved Boyan Bogdanovich. He played in the Pacers for two years and people love that dude because he was awesome in a role and exceeded it. Like that was just a really fun time to, to cover and watch a team. Um, so we will see what else happens for the Pacers, but they've added two players at key positions. Their draft was good and they have Tyrese Halliburton until pending player option news, uh, 2028 or 2029 sounds pretty good to me. We'll see if they do anything else, but I think big picture, it's been a really good off season for the Pacers, Derek. Yeah. I, again, going back to tie a bow on it, what you first asked me, you know, what is your reaction to what the Pacers have done so far? They got better period. Um, they got better. And even if they just brought back Halliburton, like you said, you would still give them a, a Great job, guys. just with that. Just, you right. know, they could have still had like 1800 shooting guards and all this other stuff <laughs> and, and not solved any of the log jams there. And it still would have been a success. But, yeah, they, they got they got better. Um, and there's still a lot of flexibility and potential for them to do something else. And, and the good thing about it is that they can just kind of sit back, see how everything else happens here with Harden, with Dame. And then, um, you know, read and react. And, and I think that that's really where Kevin Pritchard succeeds the most. Yes. He's excellent at, to use one of his words, being opportunistic. Yep. I think that's one of his strengths as a general manager, Wills, president, whatever. His, they all have job titles in the Pacers. Uh-huh. <laughs> the president of basketball operations. We'll see where that goes. I'm certain that Derek will be talking more about Pacers free agency this week on Query and Schultz with Jake Query, who many of you also know well. Where can people follow you and your words and musings on Indiana sports. Yeah. As long as Twitter exists, I'll be there at Schultz nine, seven, five. I think we got a couple of weeks left in that bad boy. Maybe <laughs> um, Corey and Schultz every Monday on uh, ISC sports network. We also stream on our uh, YouTube channel. All the, we have a Facebook, Twitch uh, and then the podcast form. We still, uh, we get the most listeners still 
Old school audio. So the radio people that followed over still do the podcast, all major platforms, just search Corey and Schultz on there. And then um, every other week, I cadence with Mark Monteith, a uh, longtime Pacers guy um, on IBJ. So twice a month for columns for IBJ. And then my indie monthly stuff is kind of, you know, I've got another job. I've got my real job. So I'm, I'm trying to decide everything that I have time for. Um, that That's one that I haven't put as much time into, but still active on uh, on those other platforms for sure. You're not allowed to talk about your actual job on the show. I have, to, I am, I am proclaiming that as part of this. Yes, highly recommended. Tune in to anything Derek does. One of my faves in this market. We have a lot of talented sports people uh, in this market. Tomorrow, look. Here's the problem. Okay, actually, I want to go back to something you said. Twitter. Oh my. What is going on? What does don't you want people to use the platform that you own? Dude, okay, I, this is. Let me tell you, this is a true story. So uh, yesterday, you know, they, they do this deal with, with Toppin and then in the wake of the Brown deal, whenever I need to know how much space the Pacers have left <laughs> or, or protected, like, okay, what can they still hear to do? I, I look up Tony R. East on Twitter and I'm going on there and it's like merit, lead, merit exceeded, exceeded, exceeded. <laughs> and I just want to throw my phone across the room. I was so pissed. Like, and I couldn't read anybody's reactions. You know, the first thing that I do, I'm sure you do this too, is that, you know, when somebody, uh, when a big moves happens, and I don't go to Woj post because then you get all the trolls or whatever else, but somebody like you or, um, you know, I don't know, uh, Alex Gold and Scott Agnes, anybody else that's on the Pacers beat, you click the, the comment and I want to read what the fans are saying and how they're reacting. And I can't even do that. So it, it's like the one purpose of that site is to just kind of mindlessly scroll. And even Elon's taken that away. <laughs> Free agency is like, I need it to work yeah. so that was a little frustrating and i always have been like oh if i lose twitter whatever like i'll get a lot of free time back but yesterday i was like googling workarounds i'm like am i addicted this is embarrassing yeah <laughs> Can I, just I mean it, it really is it's the it's like the almost the intervention whenever it breaks you're like wait this is a problem because it's Why, what is tweet deck how does this work how do i get yeah. first thing i check oh, when if I, I revert up, to the old version and use my lists so i can see stuff still how I do i do all this do i have to open up tweet deck for the first time since i don't know 2015 or whatever um First thing I check when I wake up, last thing I check before I go to bed. So it, it really is kind of sad. <laughs> it is. Uh, the other thing I was going to say is usually I plan all my episodes out as far in advance as I can. So I know what I'm talking about and what to prepare for. I can't do that during free agency. Not possible. Anything could happen any day. So uh, for the rest of the week, free agency content to be determined about specific topics, moves pending, NBA maneuvers pending. We'll have all that coming. Give Derek a follow. And listen to everything he has to say. We will be back tomorrow, like I said, talking about something. We'll see. Everybody have a great day, and we'll see you then.